Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Vlad, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Well, it is a very special weekend here at Prince of Peace as we celebrate the baptism of our Lord. Every January, we have this festival day in the cycle of the church year where we remember Christ's baptism, how Christ came to his cousin John, who was at the River Jordan, baptizing people, calling them to repentance, to to turn, to redirect their lives around God's vision of mercy and wholeness for the world. John had a mission of reorienting um, his fellow brothers and sisters in the the, um, Jewish community around their true purpose, to be a light to the nations. But here comes Jesus, and we see John at first is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't need to turn. You don't need to repent, Jesus. You you are the one, the Messiah. John clearly knew who his cousin Jesus was, but Jesus insists, and he's baptized by his cousin John. And when he's washed in those waters of the River Jordan and he reemerges from underneath them, we're told that Christ sees the heavens open and the Spirit of God descending like a dove And a proclamation is made. This is my son, the beloved. And with him, I am well pleased. The baptism of Jesus is an announcement to all of Israel that the Messiah has come. This is the one in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. It's a beautiful opportunity for us to remember the gift of our own baptism the words that God speaks over each of us as we are brought, as we were brought to those waters of baptism. It's a special week for me and my family in particular as well as we bring our youngest child, Luke, to these waters. And the joke goes, you know, he's already over two years old. And folks have been saying, has Luke been baptized yet? And I'm, I'm like the plumber who has a leaky pipe at home. I just can't fix my own pipe, Right. Uh, But finally, we have the family coordinated and we're all here gathered and Luke will be baptized. Leading up to this weekend, thinking about his baptism, the baptism of Jack and and these other children, uh, I've been a little more sentimental than usual. For Christmas, Becca um, made me one of those Shutterfly books. Are you familiar with them? You take your own photos and you upload them onto a website And then they print off a hardbound book for you. And it was a book of Luke's life, capturing some of his recent photos. We have a whole stack of these books at home for all of our children. And one night earlier this week, Becca went to bed early and I'm going through some of the stuff still underneath the Christmas tree and I I grab that book and I I go over to our um, cupboard where all of the other books are are stacked and I grab all of them and I'm sitting on our couch and I'm just flipping through all of these pages and going down memory lane. Maybe you've done something like that too, flipping through photos of your loved ones, 
I found myself weepy just thinking about Luke's journey. Thinking back to when Becca first told me that we were pregnant, she told me um, how she did for the other two children as well. There's a set of statues where we live over in Marymount. They're called the family statues. They were actually a gift from France to the village of Marymount in the 1920s, and it's this beautiful stone-carved statue where there's a mother and a father, a set of grandparents holding children. It's this beautiful um, setting right in the heart of the village, and Every time uh, Becca found out she was pregnant, we would go on a walk and she'd say, let's go check out those family statues. And it was there that she shared with me the news um, that she was expecting. It's actually the location that I proposed to Becca, asked her to marry me. It's a very special place in our life. And I started thinking about when I heard of Luke um, we didn't know it was Luke yet, right? Just that a child would, was, was growing and forming inside my wife's womb and all of those nights that we spent together as families do when they're anticipating the birth of a child, wondering how many weeks and months we spent just wondering, what will this child be like? With Luke, we found out we were having a boy. With our first two children, um, we waited until delivery to know what God was giving us. And I started thinking about all of the anticipation for all of our children, but particularly the journey of Luke. It started like any other Um, all of our other children, just wondering, what will this child be like? Will they be athletic like their mother? Will they they be um, interested in sports? Will they be interested in music? Please, Lord, give this child the, the ability to sing that I do not have. Will the child have blonde hair or brown hair? What will the child grow up and be interested in? I wonder what what this child yet unborn will want to do with its life. Will will this child grow to be a teacher, a lawyer, a soldier, a pastor like its dad? What, What will this child be like? And then all of that holy, beautiful wonder transformed in an instant into worry. When at a normal ultrasound during my wife's pregnancy, we found out that Luke had some complications, that he was missing part of his brain, the corpus callosum that connects the left and right hemisphere of the brain. So many questions and so few answers at the time. Followed up with a fetal MRI that confirmed that, yes, he was missing this part of his brain. And the rest of that pregnancy, my wife did her very best to just block out all of the worry and all of the fear and all of the distractions so that she could just grow this child within her with the help of God. But there I was left with worry and anxiety and wonder and all of those thoughts kept racing through my mind for the rest of her pregnancy. What will this child be like? What will his, his challenges be? What will the adversities be? Will he be able to see there was a chance that Luke was going to be born blind? Will he be able to walk? There was a strong chance that our child wouldn't have been able to walk until he was three years old. What will I need? And I can tell you that that worry, that worry carried me and surrounded me and filled me all the way up into the 
labor room. But I can tell you something beautiful happened. The moment Luke was born, and maybe you can relate if you're a mother or a father or a grandparent, the moment a child comes into the world, all of the what ifs, well, they dissipated for me. And as the nurse put that baby in my arms, the only thing I knew to say was, Luke, this is your mother, and I am your father, and we are going to love you every day for the rest of our lives. You see, all of the worry about what if, what will, it disappears when you hold a child and you name that child beloved. People often say when folks are pregnant, how many women in here have heard this statement? Folks often say, are you having a boy or a girl? Well, we don't know. Well, as long as the baby is healthy. Folks mean well. But the reality of the fact is, even if that child is not healthy, whole, or normal, that child will be beloved. You see, when a child is born, if us normal human people, fathers and mothers, know to name a child beloved, how much more does God look at each of us and declare that we are wholly beloved? With all of our challenges, all of our imperfections, our ability to sin and miss the mark, how much more does God say, this is my child with whom I am well pleased? You see, we go through life so often from an early age, it doesn't take long, well into our teenage years and into adulthood, we go through most of life trying to form an identity for ourselves based upon what we earn and achieve. Don't we? This is how society is set up. We craft identities for ourselves that are wholly based off of what we can accomplish, what we can earn, what we can achieve. Think of all the titles that you have in your life. Maybe you're a CPA, an engineer, a teacher a doctor, a reverend doctor. All of these things are beautiful and holy. Hard work and effort is a part of the fabric of how the world works. It is not a bad thing. But all of these things we have to work for and we earn titles, we earn esteem, our reputations are built around what we can do or achieve. With baptism, we are reminded that our true identity, the only thing that can truly define us, is given to us. It's not earned. It's not achieved. That's why in our tradition, we bring young and old, infant and 80-year-old to the font, and we declare that they are given a name, child of God, beloved, not because of anything they've done or will do or will accomplish. When we baptize children like we will baptize Jack in just a few minutes, we will declare with the fullness of the choirs of heaven around that Jack is wholly loved, 
not because of anything Jack has done. All Jack has done is eat, poop, cry, sleep. See, I told you. But Jack is wholly loved. Jack is a child of God. And that is the only thing that will define his life. Other things may describe his life as he grows older, but we need to be really clear as Christian people about the difference between what describes us and what defines us. So many things in this world might describe us, young and old, black and white, rich and poor, Republican and Democrat, teacher, engineer, sailor, soldier, mechanic. All of those things describe us. The only thing that can define us is the love of God poured out in Christ Jesus. We are children of God. And that is good news. You know when Luther, Martin Luther, when he was a young monk, he was tormented. You know the story. Most of you are faithful Lutherans, or at least you've heard the story. Luther was a monk, and he would go into the confessional booth, and he would cry out, and he would confess all of the sins he could imagine and think of, and even he would probably make up sins that he thought he was going to commit, and he would wear out the priest on the other side of the confessional booth. It's reported that Luther would spend hours in that confessional booth, I am wicked, I am wretched, I am horrible. He'd leave the confessional booth and and minutes later he'd go back to the priest and he'd say, can you go back in the booth? I need to confess more. And the priest would walk in and he'd bang his head against the confessional wall. Say, Luther, Luther. It wasn't until Luther was deep in the book of Romans and studying Galatians and Ephesians that Luther had an epiphany, a, a light, and Luther saw the majesty and the glory of the gospel that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. And do you know what Luther did the rest of his life whenever he started to feel as though he was wretched? Luther's response every time he felt attacked, every time he had insults hurled at him, and he had a lot of insults hurled at him. The church he was trying to reform excommunicated him, called him him a heretic. He was run out of town. He had to hide in a castle. uh, He had to hide in a castle. He He had to go into secret. And through all of those trials and all of those tribulations, can you imagine the rumors that swirled when he married Catherine von Bora? He was a priest, and now he's married to a woman. He was changing the landscape of the world with all of that swirling around him. Luther's response, the only way Luther knew how to deal with the stress of the world was to declare over and over again the most powerful statement a Christian can make. He said, I am baptized. I am baptized. I am baptized. There are journals of Luther's where 30 times he would write, I am baptized, I am baptized, I am baptized. Not, I was baptized. A long time ago, I was baptized and God's grace was poured out over me. No, Luther understood that baptism was not a past event. It was a present reality. I am baptized. I am set free. Here's the really good news, church. Whatever you face, whatever trial, whatever adversity, whatever heartache, whatever heartbreak, whatever diagnosis may come your way, whatever Jack might face, or Luke, or Olivia last night, whatever they may face, 
the world can never take away the fact that they are baptized. So this new year, may you live into boldness. May you claim your true identity. And when the world comes and anxiety fills your heart, may you declare, like Luther, the most powerful statement a Christian can make. I am baptized. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.